Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. We're continuing our series on resiliency, what makes a resilient church. And we're going to have a little pastoral chat time for a little bit here that I don't often have opportunity to do. How many are in favor of that? Seeing no objections, we'll continue on. Uh, but I, I do want to take a moment. We celebrate um, on, every year our high school graduates. And uh, once you're past that, it's almost like we don't pay attention because everybody's doing different things at different times. But because they've been such an important part here and because their life will be changing, I do want to acknowledge Dr. Brittany uh, Wilson. Where is, is Brittany in the back here? Is she in here somewhere? There she is. Dr. Brittany, give it up for Dr. Brittany. Congratulations to you. Congratulations. This journey started when she was four years old and the whole story that goes with that. So we celebrate that with you this morning. And it's our full expectation that you will never leave this area. <laughs> Knowing that that's not what's going to happen. But I believe that God wants us to not just be um, sustainable, but as a church to be resilient. Well, so let's go back to last week's message and do that again. Nets, boats, bottles, and rags. That if we're going to be resilient and enjoy the blessing and power of God, you've got to be ready for your nets to break, your boats to sink, your bottles to stretch, and your rags to be replaced. There are all kinds of things that God's going to do. So this week, we're going to begin talking about what it means to be a resilient church. And as part of that... We're going to talk this morning about an outward focus, and there's a church that will be joining us, our newest satellite campus that some of you may or may not have heard about, but we're teaming with New Life Center and want to see God do some great things there. And so they will be joining us, um, not, not live, but in a video venue over the next few weeks doing this same thing together. We believe in church planting. We planted a librarian church that is doing well in Des Moines today on their own. We planted a church in Waverly that's running about 500 in attendance. We planted Prairie Crossing that's involved now in Mitchellville and doing uh, great work. And we want to see the same thing happen with New Life Center. And I want them to know that we are on their team and that they are on our team and they will see this video. And so I want you to give out a cheer to them. Here's what I want you to say. We love you, New Life Center, with all of your voice, all right? We love you, New Life Center. One, two, three. We love you, New Life Center. Give them a big round of applause. Because resiliency isn't about sustaining us. It's about growing and reaching and keeping an outward focus. Resiliency is the ability to resist, absorb, and recover, or successfully adapt to adversity or change in conditions while retaining the same controls on function and structure. It's been related to capacity and coping capacity. So there are many things that make a church sustainable. We could talk about Bible study and our connect groups and the things we do for us, but the church needs to be resilient, able to deal with the things that come to us, respond to that, and be stronger. And the first component of that is an outward focus. So for a couple of minutes, I want to talk to you practically about what an outward focus looks like. That means 
We recognize that while there are things we need, we're more concerned about others than we are about ourselves. We esteem others more highly than we do ourselves. That's in the Bible. Hallelujah, glory to God in the Lamb forever. How many are still with me? So what does it mean to do that? Well, let me ask you this question. What are we here for right now? What are we here for? If you're here to be wowed by the oratorical skills of a pastor who is amazing in verbal giftings, you will be sadly disappointed. Because regardless of what you think, you're not here to listen to me. I am the worship leader right now. And just as we do in worship, you're not here to listen to Pastor Nathan sing. You're here to follow his leadership and worship God in music. Do you know what we're doing right now? I'm here to lead you as we experience the word of God together and hear what God has to say to us. So it's not about me. It's about God speaking to us together. So that means we need to do everything we can to not be disruptive to someone else being able to receive the word of God and experience him. I almost did something, but I was afraid my wife would kill me. I was going to sit over there and pretend like I was talking on the phone when the video ended and ask you how many of you that made you uncomfortable. And everybody would probably say, well, no, I was ready to go get coffee. But that's another conversation. So I just need to do some pastoral church etiquette things to help you. Is that okay? So that we understand this is about others and about experiencing God together. And when someone new comes in, that they're not wondering why we're doing what we're doing, but that we have created an atmosphere without disruptions. Hallelujah. So then, and I'm going to have a little fun with this. If... You need to get up and leave. You didn't go to the bathroom before you came in. And your capacity is limited. And you need to leave. There's a way to do that that's not disruptive. And that is when you get up to go out an aisle. But when you get up and walk across the front, why don't you just go ahead and do the parade wave? Hello? Because right then, everybody's watching you rather than responding to the word. And if you need to get up, and you know you're going to have to get up, do you know what will help us? Don't sit in the front. Sit toward the back, over by the door, if you know you're going to have to get up. And if you have to get up more than once or twice, figure that out. I'm I'm not trying to be mean, I'm just saying... We're here for a purpose. Let's not interrupt that purpose. And I know, (laughs) hallelujah, I'm having fun now. I know that sometimes I say things that make you so upset you have to say something to your neighbor. Or God speaks to you and you need to share that with your neighbor. But imagine if you're sitting there and I'm sitting out in the auditorium And God says something that speaks to me, and I'm sitting here by Sharon, and I lean over and out loud say, you know what God just spoke to me about? Do you know what he just said? Do you you know what happens? Nobody in this circle is going to hear anything that God's saying to the group because of the conversation that's happening out loud. In a few minutes, 
in just a few minutes, you can go to the lobby and talk as much as you want. Oh, we're getting, we're having church now. And for some of you, this will, this is surprising to some of you. Your phone can be put on silent. And if you don't put it on silent, don't answer it while you're walking across the back. Hey, I'm in church right now and uh, I'll talk to you in just a minute when I get out into the lobby. Is anybody hearing me this morning? You say, you're, this isn't church. Oh yeah, it is church. Because there are moments when people miss what God would speak to their spirit because we've created disruption that we can't hear from him. Okay, I'm not done. I understand we're talking about guests who come. I understand the addiction of tobacco and how strong that addiction is. So what I'm going to say next is not in any way critical. It's about an honor preferring others and making sure that they have a good experience their first time in or um, children coming in through the door. I know that sometimes um, that addiction um, is something that controls people. I get how strong it is. But our bathrooms are not smoking zones. And our entryways are not smoking zones. And we used to have out here a place for you to go to smoke, but now we have a playground. Our playground is a no smoking zone. How many are hearing me? No child should have to play in or walk through secondhand smoke. Why are you doing that this morning, Pastor? Because we're talking about an outward focus, and the church, unfortunately, gets an inward focus that thinks that the sun is who they are and the planets revolve around them. But instead of that, we need to see ourselves in a place of facilitating, loving, and caring for one another and making sure we're not in the way of someone experiencing God or have created an environment that they won't come back and experience God. So let's do our best to experience God together and remove the obstacles. Well, that went over really well. <clears throat> so now I'm going to take an offering and kill the whole service. Outward focus, what is that all about? There are things that we need to do to continue to move forward. Some churches came through COVID and are less than they are. And some of you remember a series I preached at the start of COVID that I titled, Come Back Stronger. That's what resiliency is about. When challenges come our way, when we face a struggle, that God wants to do something in us that enables us to respond and grow and be more effective than we were before. And one of the primary means of doing that is to maintain an outward focus. Now, we'll talk about the inward focus as well this morning, but an outward focus looks at others rather than myself and esteems others higher than I esteem myself. So what does the Bible tell us about that? Number one, the Bible tells us that we are to go into the world with power. We expect them to come, and I'm okay with being attractional, but Jesus didn't say build a church and invite them to come. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's for all of us. We should have a go structure rather than a structure that simply says come. Are we going and we're supposed 
supposed to go with power. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the ends of the earth. We are Pentecostal. We are full gospel. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. But hear me again. My passion has been, this isn't about how many people speak in tongues. As important and vital as that is, it is when you are really filled with the Spirit, you will have a passion to reach lost people for the kingdom. One of my friends posted on Facebook recently, if you speak in tongues and you are not reaching lost people, you're spiritually bilingual. You're not spirit-filled. Because that's the passion that should drive us. The church wasn't to move without power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now, Luke gives a little more insight to this story that I want you to get. It's the story of the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. And it's a story that I've read over and over again. And these two disciples are walking along, and they're kind of pouting. They're sad. They're upset. And Jesus, resurrected Jesus, comes up alongside them and they don't know who it is. And Jesus says to them, why are you so sad? And they say to him, do you know when, when you don't know who you're talking to, you can say stupid things. <laughs> and when you're talking to God, maybe you should think about what you say. They said to him, are you new around here? Do you not know what's been going on? And so he goes on to tell them, all, they tell Jesus all the things have happened. How Jesus of Nazareth, really? Really? You're telling that to Jesus. May have forgotten he was there. They don't recognize it. They talk. Their hearts begin to burn. They come to where they're going to stay. And they begin to, uh, he begins to go on like he's going to leave. And they say, no, you got to stay. You got to stay. Now watch this. While they were breaking bread together, their eyes were opened and they saw who he was. And as soon as they saw who he was, he disappeared. That is a strange moment. But it gets even more strange. They realize that was Jesus we were talking to. And what they do then is they get up and they go immediately to the 11 who are gathered together. And they begin to tell the 11 disciples what they've just experienced. We were walking along. We didn't know who we were talking to. We didn't recognize it was Jesus. Us, and we sat down to break bread and then we realized it was Jesus and then he disappeared and while they're talking Jesus appeared in the room that's called heart attack moment they, the Bible says they were afraid are you kidding me they thought it was a ghost I imagine they did how many are hearing me this morning and how many of you are going to be listening in that moment he was there he disappeared you went somewhere else and you're telling the story and he appears in the room and what does he say to them he talks to them about the mission and calling and it's in that context that he says i'm going to send you what my father has promised but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. I'll guarantee you, if I disappeared for a few minutes and reappeared, you'd hear what I have to say. Or, let's say, while I'm preaching, I disappeared, and you go to a restaurant afterwards, and I just appear sitting at your booth. How many of you are going to listen to what I'm saying? They're going to, what was the thing he wanted them to get? There is a world to be reached, a world that is broken, and you need to approach them with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Pentecostal power, supernatural power to challenge the world as witnesses of Jesus Christ. That will help us become resilient when we realize that our calling is to be full of the Spirit, speaking in other tongues, and doing the works of God in supernatural power, not in some kind of a Sunday morning sideshow, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, when we're talking to people about Jesus and the miracles of God begin to explode because you're to receive power and then go into the world with that power and see that world change. The power brokers of our world are not on Capitol Hill. They're empowered by the Spirit of God. Now, I get that there's a need for inner focus. Peter was told to feed my sheep, feed my lambs. One another verses are abundant in Scripture. Fellowship is a value that should be engaged. But that will make the church sustainable for a period of time, but not resilient. Because you can conform to a standard of practice without ever being empowered by the Spirit. So resiliency has received power to take the gospel to the world. We can't worry about who's walking out the door. We need to start worrying about who's coming in the door. We can't worry about people who've decided that they don't want to be part of Berean anymore. We need to find people out there that have never met Jesus and say, come with me and let me introduce you to a man that is altogether lovely, that has changed my life and will change yours. And that church will prosper when there's a resilience in our purpose isn't just to make us happy, but for us to do what God's called us to do and reach this world. We go to the world with power. Second, The only way we're going to do that is when we start to look on the harvest with passion. When we start to look on the harvest with passion. In John chapter 4, verse 35, the Bible says, Do not say four months and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look on the fields. They're ripe for harvest. He's creating a contrast by way of illustration. How many of you know that you can't plant a garden and harvest from it tomorrow. Pastor friend of mine loved to grow tomatoes, and another lady loved to grow tomatoes, and they had a contest every year who would have the first ripe tomato, and he beat her every year. And after several years, she's asking, what's your secret? He won't tell her. What's your secret? What fertilizer do you use? Do you greenhouse them? What do you do? You always beat me. And finally, he gave in. He said, I'll tell you how I beat you. I buy a tomato plant that has a ripe tomato on it. (laughs) But you can't plant it today. Someone else planted it. And so what happens is the agricultural mindset is we plant and four months later we harvest. And Jesus is saying spiritually, you have to change that mindset. It's not about planting now and harvesting later because he that sows and he that reaps are receiving wages and they labor together. It's all happening at once. We need to see ourselves as sowing and reaping and sowing and reaping. Well, I'm 
just sowing seed. I'm a seed sower. Well, I'm glad you are, but that isn't good enough. We're to sow seed and reap. God, who am I impacting for the cause of the kingdom? Don't put off your responsibility for the harvest by simply sowing seed. Well, I don't know what verses to use. I don't know what to say. I, I, I don't know how to answer their questions. I, 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 I don't know how they will respond. I don't speak very well. I don't know where to start. I don't have time. And on and on and on and on and on the list can go. Well, I don't know what I'm going to say. Do you know what the Bible says? If you're Pentecostal, spirit-filled, take no thought, even when you're called before the tribunal, what you shall say. Because in that hour, it'll be given you what you will say. And I'm telling you, church, if you begin to engage by looking at the harvest and seeing the harvest around you that's ready to be harvested and get involved, you will have no time to be bored in your spiritual life. I'm telling you, there's nothing more engaging, more exciting, more thrilling than to be in a situation where you recognize, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond. And all of a sudden, the clouds part and the Spirit of God God deposits in you a word for that moment and you give that word and you see the darkness dissipate over that person's head. You're engaged in the harvest and it'll make you want to do it again and again and again. So don't tell me you're just a seed sower. It's not good enough to be a seed sower. The fields are ready to be harvested and we need to engage in that harvest. Look at it. Look at it. Jesus went forth, saw the multitude, and he was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. In Matthew 20, Jesus had compassion on them, touched their eyes, and they were able to see. Mark chapter 1, Jesus was moved with compassion, put forth his hand. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus allowed them not, but said to them, go to your friends and tell them how the Lord has had compassion on you. And in Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says, Jesus, when he came out, saw the people and his moved with compassion toward them and I get it this world is mean this world is difficult people are hard sometimes to address can I meddle a little bit this is dangerous I do not believe transvestites should be reading to our children in public school I do not believe that. But I wish we're as passionate about reaching the transvestite as we are angry that they're there. If our passion against evil were to be translated into a passion for the harvest, what is, I'm just gonna, what is happening with that person there and that lifestyle they're living? And they would disagree, and someday this may be hate speech, but you're saying, I'm not happy with how God created me. I'm not happy with the environment I have been planted in. I'm not happy with my life, and so I'm gonna change it and be something else and self-identify as some other being in a gender-fluid world. And I'm saying, your 
hearts should break for them because here's what I know, that when they meet Jesus all my life long, I had panted for a drink from some cool stream. But hallelujah, I have found him. I said I found him. I found him. And the desires of my life are completely changed. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Have you been moved with compassion? I understand being moved with anger. I understand with being moved against the culture. But God, help us. Can you look at the harvest and be moved with compassion over their brokenness as sheep having no shepherd? God, break our, look at them. And how can you not be broken for them? The Bible says compassion, I know, but we've translated compassion to being this simply feeling sorry, and that's not what it means. The word compassion means to be moved in your inner being, moved with what's happening in their life with a commitment that it's got to change, and I'm going to invest in that. I'm telling you, God, help us look at the harvest. Let us see the brokenness. Help us see what the devil has done to people. Look at the perversion that's ruining lives, and break our hearts hearts for the lost, that there is something in us that says, I'm not going to leave you drowning in the ocean. I'm coming out where you are, and I'm going to pull you back to safety. And that safety is in Jesus Christ. What do you see? Wicked people or broken people? I'm being deeply moved. Third, we need to look on the harvest with passion and then we need to display God's goodness with purpose. In the same way, all of these have that outward focus. It's about looking in an outward direction. You're to go out to them with power. You're to look on them with passion and then display God's goodness with purpose. Let your light shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Do you know what most churches are built around today? They're built around what the church can do for me. Hello? They're built around what the church can do for me. Americans evaluate churches based on these things. And this is from the National Association of Evangelicals. They did a survey a few years ago. What are people looking for? They're looking for friendliness, children's programs, worship music, sermons, pastors. 80% of the responses fell into the categories of friendliness, children's programs, worship music, sermons, and pastoral um, friendliness. Not one said, I want to be a part of a church that's changing the world. We evaluate it based on what we want. Is anybody hearing me right now? Am I getting what I want? Am I, I, (laughs) uh, I may have to resign on Monday, but. (laughs) Oh, why does this happen to me? I frankly don't care if you don't like our selection of coffee. It's too strong. It's too weak. The creamer is curdled. Call it cottage cheese, put salt on it, and eat it. I don't care. 
Does anybody? We ought to look around and say, where are the new faces? Where, why do we have coffee there? I'll tell you, this is why I'm committed to coffee in the lobby. Senses are powerful things with new people coming into the house of God. And I remember when we had signed up years ago in a church using a, a particular coffee brand and we're making coffee and it smells good. And a college student who was looking for a place to worship and experience Jesus walked in her first Sunday, walked in the door. I'm standing in the lobby and she went, oh, I'm home. Well, wasn't that all about her? It was, but we were also all about her. I don't care what the new person coming in is looking for in the sense of what their motivation is. Our motivation should be there are lost people that need to be reached and we ought to be doing something out in public that people see that causes them to glorify God. Yeah, but I want this and I want that and I think we need to have this again. And can we do this, that, or the other? And the reality is the church today are filled. The church today is filled with people who are consumers. Without a friendly, attractive, energetic first impression, they usually will not return for a second impression. And I get that. But that's also true about people who are still attending. Yeah. Carmen Fowler LeBurge, president of the Presbyterian's Lake Committee, lamented consumer orientation. The answers I'd like to give are accurate interpretation of scripture by the preacher and teacher, spiritual vitality, authenticity of the members, and outwardly focused missional passion that lost people would experience Jesus through encounters with people out of this church. That's what I want the church to be, but it's not the church I currently observe. And I'm saying to you that when it becomes, is anyone hearing me this morning? When it becomes focused on is my back being scratched? Are my needs? Yes, there's a place for that. Feed my sheep, care, edify the body. Yes, there's a place for that. But that's not our driver. Why do we gather this morning? To empower us to do something different on Monday for the cause of the king. If we want to be resilient, you change when you begin to see. And I, I'm not, I don't know a lot about fishing. I like to fish, haven't done a lot of that. But I do know this that if you throw the same earthworm in over and over and over again in the same spot and you don't catch anything, maybe it's time to change your bait or your location. Hello, is that right? Is that fair to say? I think that works. And we just do the same things. I'm not talking about Breen. I'm talking about the church world as a whole. That as long as we're happy, we're happy. But we ought to be broken unless men, women, boys, and girls are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And why should they come? Because they said, I saw you out there. And what I saw you doing made me want to be a part of what you're doing in here. I don't know, Pastor Kevin, where'd you go? Where are you? Can I share any of that that you shared with me ahead of time? Conversation yesterday. Applaud our Mark, our uh, our uh, train team at the fishing derby. Everybody, give the train team a round of applause. Why do we have a train? One reason. Because I think it's cool. No. Why do we have a train? Because I know that when children have a warm, fun experience as kids, they'll want to continue in that same environment when they're adults. 
but it's not just for us. It's not worth the hassle if it's just for us. But you know what's happened? Almost anything that happens in Pleasant Hill as a community event, we get a request for the train. School said, can you come and help us? And I don't remember what all we did, but we went over to a, to a school in Pleasant Hill, ran the train. I, I don't know if we paid for all the refreshments. We provided things for them and they allowed on the public school system, our name to be there and encourage them to thank the church. That is amazing. That's amazing. We're out there running the train and Kevin is there and some guy walks up and his first question was, do you have to take a class to join your church? <laughs> do you know why he wanted to know that? Because he was so impressed with my preaching online. <laughs> because he said, I wanna be under the anointed ministry of Nathan Thomas. That, that didn't get as big a laugh as mine did. <laughs> Here's what he said. I see what you're doing outside the walls. That makes me interested in what's happening. Woo! What's happening inside the walls. That'll keep you resilient. It'll keep you changing. It'll keep you serving. It'll keep you working. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's why our connect groups have a mission component in every semester, every gathering time that you have to do something outside the walls because we don't want another coffee clutch club sitting around enjoying a Bible study without seeing that there is something outside our circle that we need to do for the kingdom. And if you don't know what to do, join a connect group and get involved in that missions endeavor and let's do more to let men and women see what God is doing through Berea and outside the walls so they'll want to come inside the walls. It'll keep us resilient. It'll keep us flexible. It'll keep us changing. We talked about our values I had a list of the things we've done, for examples, the community craft show. Do you know how much work that is? That Kevin has to do? <laughs> it's like, wow, I, really? Why do we do that? Because all crafters are going to heaven. No, it's because there's an interest that we can serve the community and they get inside our walls, and we don't gain from that. The whole thrust of that is to serve. Why do we do farmer's market? It is a, it's a pain. It's a lot of work. I, am, I get to pick up all the cones. <laughs> Why do that? Because we're serving. Is anyone hearing me right now? We're serving our community in a way that's respected. And I could have called, Kevin, you've been on television twice now talking about the market. Um, and I could say, listen, I wanna, I wanna be interviewed because I'm such a powerful pastor. But they heard about farmer's market and the growth and they wanna know what's happening outside the walls. Is anybody hearing me right now? 
it will keep us with an outward focus. I had this crazy idea. Now I'm not proposing this because Kevin and Justin both shook their head and walked away. But I like to look at I like to look at Facebook Marketplace. Does anybody know what that is? Do you know what I saw this morning? I saw a Ferris wheel for sale. How cool would that be? I mean, how, how cool would that be? I'm telling you what. A fer- are you serious? Why? Why would you do a Ferris wheel? Because I think it's hilarious. What church do you go to? We go to the church with a Ferris wheel, a train, and carrots. You know, it's just an amazing place to go to church. What will keep us resilient? Get your eyes off of you and get them on the harvest and find more effective ways to reach. So the question I would ask you is what good are you doing that someone else can see? Pastor, I'm just trying to make a difference. See, I grew up, you gotta understand how I grew up. People love God, I love my church and I loved all the people that were in there, but some of you will relate to this. I am trying to slow down. I have him come up here. I tell him, I've asked him to come up at 10 after so I know I need to land the plane. But it doesn't mean a whole lot if I'm still flying. There's, we were just trying to stay saved. We had open testimonies and open prayer requests. God pray for my neighbor who's sleeping with her neighbor. You know, we just, But I can't tell you how many times I heard people say this at Wednesday night Bible study. I'm so thankful for Wednesday night Bible study because I don't know how I could make it from Sunday to Sunday without a Bible study in the middle. I get this Bible study and the devil's been chasing me around and beating me up. And I came dragging in here tonight, believing God. And I thought as a kid, I will not live that way. I want to come in on Wednesday and say, from Sunday to Wednesday, I've been putting the devil to flight. From Sunday to Wednesday, I've been sharing my faith. I'm so excited about Jesus. I can't hardly stand it right now. I'm saying to you that we need to move away from barely making it in to heaven by the skin of our teeth to going in as conquerors, triumphant, a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And the only way we're going to maintain resiliency If we remember, we're not just here to challenge the darkness. We're here to light a candle. So what do we need to do? I'm trying to call us. (laughs) I'm really trying, but it's burning in me like like a fire. In many, yay, verily years of ministry, I can tell you all the things people have come to my office to complain about. I can't think of a single time that someone's come in with tears saying, Pastor, help me. How can we reach the lost more effectively? It's always a complaint about me not getting what I want. I'm not saying that about here because most of you learned already that that doesn't work well for you. But that where's our brokenness over lost people? Resiliency is an outward focus. And let me give you one last story. We were remodeling the church. Why were we remodeling the church? To be more effective in reaching new people. And we put down new carpet. A lady walked into my office and said, Pastor, how can we, how can we justify 
putting new carpet in the church when there are people in our town that are living on dirt floors. And I just said, really? Where are those places? And whose dirt floor have you carpeted? Don't whine to me. Let's do something outside the walls that'll make Jesus attractive to people that are looking for an answer. God, break our hearts with us. Would you stand with me and just ask God to renew our outward focus. Help us reach lost people for your kingdom's sake. I'm so unworthy But still you love me I'm captivated by your great mercy I'm overwhelmed by what you've in my life now to know you more is my heart's one desire draw me into your
Jeremy, if you say no, it's okay. But if I'm careful, can I tell the stray dog story? Here's why it matters. How many of you know that I believe the only ordained expression of sexuality is one man, one woman committed together for life? How many have heard me say that? And so how many have heard me say I'm against adultery, fornication, premarital sex, and same-sex attraction? How many have heard me talk about that? Okay. There was a Chi Alpha meeting where a national Chi Alpha speaker is speaking to Chi Alpha students and compared girls who are having sex outside of marriage to stray dogs having sex on the street. You know what's happened there? (laughs) They quit seeing the harvest. They quit seeing the brokenness and their hearts have become hard. And there isn't anybody going to be reached by that hard-heartedness. And I don't care if you're in the national office of the Assemblies of God or you're pastoring a church of 20. We've got to understand our heart needs to break over them, not hate them and ridicule them and mock them. Because Jesus said to a woman at the well, Can I give you a drink? Can I give you a drink? Then he got to her sin, but he came with a solution. So be careful about your Facebook posts. Be careful about the things that you say and make sure that we're thinking about the harvest and God using us to reach them for the kingdom's sake. Is anyone hearing me this morning? God, change our hearts. God, change our hearts. If you love him, let me hear your hands this morning. An institutionalized church will never be an evangelistic force. And we have to look at the harvest and stay resilient. All right, I'm done. I could, I'm done for now. God bless you. Shake someone's hand and let's look at the harvest together. God bless you.